Praise the Lord, beloved people. This is Repent North America, and I'm your host, Pastor Tresor, in the Ministry of Repentance and Holiness in Maryland. And we're all led by the blessed Senior Archbishop, Louis Lupo, who is also the General Overseer of North America. And we're all under the direction and the counsel, the guidance, and the authority of the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord, the Elijah of Malachi 4.5, the two witnesses of Revelation 11, walking the earth. And in this segment will be the beginning of the first part of the series of the powerful message that was held on April 21st, 2021, during the global revival services with the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord. And without any further delay, we'll get straight into the message. A little introduction just to touch base with you. But if you go back, if you turn with me back to with me back to Luke 14. It's a tremendous treasure that is laid down there. Again, Luke chapter 14, turn with me there. And we saw verse 34. He also includes verse 34 in defining the church that enters the kingdom of glory. He says salt is good but if it loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for for the manure pile. It is thrown out. And then when you go to the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, this is what you get there. Matthew 5, 13 he says you are the salt of the earth but if a salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again the other versions say how can it be seasoned again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot so tonight this is what I want to focus on I want to try to focus on verse 14, uh, rather on verse 34 of Luke 14, verse 34, where Jesus is defining the church that enters the kingdom of heaven. And in this verse he says, salt is good, but if he loses his saltiness, how can it be made salty anymore? What did Jesus imply here? What is his intention there? He's talking about salvation of Christ Jesus. The salvation of the grace. The Lord had seen that all these things that he underlined here 
just traveling with him in a crowd without understanding the true meaning of following Jesus, being born again. Loving your family so much more than him. Loving your life on this earth more than him. The refusal to carry your own cross. The refusal to sit down and estimate the undertaking to be born again. The level of commitment you need to engage. And he says, the loving of goods of all your things on this earth in the same way those of you who do not give up everything they have on this earth cannot be my disciples. So he underlined all those impediments, all those factors that are likely to stop your pilgrimage towards the kingdom of God. And he says, all they will do is Verse 34. All they will do in a summary is to bring you to verse 34 where you lose your saltiness. And so Jesus was essentially saying that if you don't adhere to this instruction defining his church from verse 25 down, this instruction that he is using to define his church the true followers of Jesus if you don't adhere to these instructions then there is a apostasy ahead whereby you now lose your saltiness that means you were a Christian but now you lose your Christianity because of the goods of this earth the things of this world because of family because of refusal to pick up your cross because of merely enjoying the church as, as a member sense of belonging and so this was a apostasy he was warning about but even most importantly is the undercurrent the underlying statement that he uses now to summarize to conclude this warning when finally says he warns that if all of the above cause you to lose your saltiness the failure to adhere to my instruction to obey the failure to submit to my commands if it will cause you to lose the efficacy of your salvation then he talks about a judgment to be thrown out and trampled is good for nothing to be thrown out into the lake of fire he defines the judgment of God right there. 
And he's describing here, he's talking here to the church, to people that have received Jesus. He's not talking to the unborn again world. He's talking about people that are coming along with him, traveling with him. And he's warning that if you fool around with the world, if you play around with your hard one Christian salvation. The salvation of the cross and the blood of Jesus. He's saying, then judgment is coming. So he actually said that the church, in this way he said in verse 34, that the church that is his true church the Christians that are his true Christians, followers, they have zero tolerance to apostasy. That is what he's raising here. But he raised a warning that if you don't adhere to his instruction, there is a fall coming. Can we start to open up this step by step, blessed people, without, without much time because we don't have that much time? Can we run right away to the book of Matthew then? What, what, what is it that you will lose? What is it that will cause you to lose your saltiness? In other words, can you define to me? I know all of you in your homes, you're now saying, please, can you define to me a Christianity of saltiness, a salty Christian believer? How does it look like? I know, Kabisa, I know it too well that you are saying, then can you define to us what it means to be a Christian, a salty Christian that is fully seasoned and has not lost their salt? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so you can imagine, for example, if you are to go for an interview to get the passport, an American passport, a Canadian passport, an Argentina passport, a European passport, you, you have gone into the interview room and they're interviewing you. What are the things they would, what is their scorecard that they would be taking to see if you can really fit into their country? citizenship, unataka, Japanese citizenship, un, Australian, unataka, New Zealand, unataka kuwa mzalendo. and you are now in the interview room. And they want to check if you have what it takes to go into their country to be a citizen. You want to become a Kenyan citizen because you've seen such a big revival in Kenya. And you are now at the interview room, maybe somewhere in Geneva or the Kenyan embassy or somewhere, and they are interviewing you to look at your credentials if you really fit to come to Kenya. 
chumba cha mahojiano kwa sababu pengine katika ubalozi wa Geneva ili kwamba wapate kuona iwapo una yale matendo ni yapi ambayo watakuwa wanaweka alama That is what I'm talking about here. What are the things that they'll be picking at that interview room tonight for you to qualify to go to the kingdom of God facilitated by the Holy Spirit? If you say you have the Holy Spirit, can you show us the following traits? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, what are the hallmarks that constitute a salty Christian? The one that has not yet lost their, their seasoning, their saltiness. In other words, when you don't listen to the instruction laid in Luke 14, Twenty-five to thirty-five. Where he says, "Whoever follows, whoever comes to him, whoever wants to follow him, must come to him first. You must encounter Jesus first. You cannot just be traveling with him, coming along. He says you must encounter him and have a real relationship with him." And he says, if you don't do that, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he's also talking very clearly here about the loving of family more than him. And then he talks about the loving of your life on the earth more than loving him. And then he talks about carrying your cross. So if you don't love him more than your life, more than your family, you cannot enter, he says. If you don't carry your cross, you cannot enter. He says, if you don't estimate the undertaking to be born again, the commitment you need to put in, that if you don't abandon your goods on the earth here, the things of the world. So if you don't do all that instruction, don't lose your saltiness. What have you lost? Or if you do all that and obey, what are the true traits, the true identity of the salty church you will behold? A salty church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So can we look at the church that is salty? In other words, the great thing that this world, great things, this world will cause you to lose if you fall into apostasy. Now the book of Matthew chapter 5 I'm reading verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit He's now defining the church That is salty He's now defining the salty church She's a church that is poor in spirit he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
ni wao. And so if you don't carry your cross, if you love your family more than Jesus, and if you don't lose the goods of this world and turn to Jesus alone, then he says, this is what you lose. You will not be poor in spirit. My so the seasoned salty church is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. So they are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That is the second trait of the church that is salty. They mourn when they look at the evil and the wickedness that has consumed and devastated this world. And then it says, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's talking about the salty church. Blessed are the pure in heart. They are walking in purity. He says they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, he says. Because they will be called children of God. And then he talks about the persecution that they go through. That is the definition of the saltiness they behold. They are persecuted for righteousness. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are insulted by people. And persecuted falsely. And, and they, they, are, they falsely accuse them. So if you are not being falsely accused, then something is wrong with your salvation. If no one is accusing you falsely, falsely, then you should check your salvation. And so this is very powerful. He says these are the attributes of the church going to heaven. And these are the things that when you pick up your cross and you love Jesus more than your family, you will sustain these traits, this identity. If you love Jesus more than the things of this world, you'll sustain these novel traits, the identity of the church that goes to heaven. So they will take each of them, you have it, you have it. The Holy Spirit has helped him, has helped him, has helped her. The ticking, ticking. Okay, it's very easy. Can we give you time to translate it? Well, it's very easy. I can even translate it. And so, 
He's talking about the church that is seasoned, is salty, that has the efficacy of salvation. And let us look at the church that loses our saltiness then. If you turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6, you can start from there or you can start even 2 Peter chapter 2, but Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. We've been here before, but now in this context, he's saying it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age if they fall away it is impossible to be brought back to repentance because they are lost they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace, public shame but let us look at these very powerful attributes that are defined here that you get to lose by failure to carry your cross or obey the instruction in Luke 14 the losing of saltiness. He says, have been enlightened. I've tasted the heavenly gift. I've shared in the Holy Spirit. I've tasted the goodness of the word of God. And the powers of the coming age. Those are such admirable attributes for a church, for a Christian. This is a very high standard, a high bar for the present day church. Even as you read them, every Christian is longing to have them. Longing to have these wonderful attributes. Highly enlightened. Tasted the heavenly gift. Shared in the Holy Spirit. Tasted the goodness of the word of God. Tasted the powers of the coming age. Those are such a lofty aspiration for the present day church. But he's talking about this church as one he's going to trash out. He's saying it is impossible to bring them back to repentance when they lose it. And so you must be worried somewhere. You might be worried. You might be worried saying, wow, that one already has those attributes and then they are to lose. I have not even attained them in my Christian walk. So this is a high bar. And so he's using this to define the loss of saltiness. That when you lose saltiness, this is what happens to you. And you see, so this is such a terrible state. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He said, this is what you lose when you lose your seasoning. In other words, this will be your condition. When you are apostate, when you fall into apostasy, when you start loving family more than Jesus, when you start loving your own life more than Jesus, when you refuse to carry your cross, so how come they have fallen when they have such wonderful attributes? Could it be that because the cross is not mentioned there? Could it be that they have experienced the beauty of these wonderful visitations without they themselves committing to the cross of Jesus? Without again committing to the again again let me repeat without committing to the cross of Jesus because he's saying that when you become salty when you receive Jesus when you embrace the salvation of the grace then you take the you receive the advantages you take the advantages of the cross mighty message and with that teaching is very powerful before we go any further let us go right away to the book of Luke chapter 14 verse 25 to 35 about the cost of following Jesus many times that we're so uh, urgent to lead people to salvation without sitting them down to examine the cost we usually sit ourselves down with our families to plan vacations, to plan retirements, to plan for even for immoralities, for parties. But when it comes to planning for eternity, we're very careless. And Jesus, he noticed the large crowds following him in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And he says, now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple that there were great crowds following the lord jesus the same thing that's happening today in the church people are in church because it's politically correct and when they go to the office and they say praise the lord people are like wow that person is really born again he has everything together he's not in drugs he's not an alcohol but mere moral reformation is not going to change the heart condition just following with Jesus with no commitment doesn't mean you're born again. And that's why it was great mercy, the mercy of God to turn around, to revive his people. Seeing the large crowd, some people were following for food, that he fed them many bread loaves. And you read in John that he said, even said himself, the Lord Jesus said that you're not even following me because of the works I've done. You're following me because I fed you. That many times we come to the Lord Jesus for benefits. Uh, what car can I get? What a husband or what wife can I get? What can I get for my marriage? How can the Lord bless me? But it's never about doing things for the Lord. When Je Jesus Christ himself, the one who died for us on the cross, the, so much deep love that he even gave his own life to save us from our sins that we deserve. And yet we're always uh, in our Christian salvation worrying about what I can do anyway. The same self-centeredness that you see that happened to Lucifer. So when he says now great crowds were traveling with him, 
they were merely traveling. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you're born again. Just because you say you're born again doesn't mean you're born again. You don't need to have a shirt on your back that says I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. People can just see the way you live and see if you're born again in righteousness and holiness. They can see if you're making a commitment. And the Lord Jesus clearly saw in Luke 14, 25, that people were just following him. And you see that in the church today. We're just following the Lord in, in the church. We're just following, enjoying the visitations, the miracles of God. Oh, a crippled has walked this day, or a blind person saw this day. Uh, we have revival in our churches, but yet there is no change in the heart. It's still the same heart that lusts in sexual sin, that's still in pornography, that's still masturbating, that's still looking at immorality pornography, that's still in social media. Just because you're in the church, you may have a nice suit, a nice shirt, nice clothes, doesn't mean you're born again. And that's why the Lord Jesus, is very important for him to turn around and says, if anyone comes to me, in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That when the Lord Jesus turned to look at them, back in that time when the Lord Jesus was sharing that uh, scripture at the time to the people following him, it was a lot of family idolatry going around. And then you see in the Middle East, even in Hispanic communities, African communities, that family is everything. And it comes before God. That some people will choose their wives or their husbands over the Lord Jesus. And that's why he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, he cannot be my disciple. Because in comparison, the love that you have for the Lord, just like how Jesus said it, uh, the Lord said it in, in Malachi. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. It's in comparison, it's a hatred. It, it, it's not a hatred just to hate. It's, it's in comparison because the Lord Jesus is supposed to come first in all of our lives. He's not supposed to be second. And everything we do, we're supposed to be asking, how does this benefit my eternity? And you see that it was such a struggle for people to let go of, of their spouses that they rather would keep their spouses on their salvation. That they'll trade their salvation for material gain, for goods uh, and, and he says here uh, also in verse um, 28 for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it that in the church we come to salvation and you, you read it it's in the bible that people hear the word and they receive it with joy and then when the, the pressures come to in, in life they choke it yet we don't sit down and evaluate the cost of salvation. That we just take salvation and we don't even think that we're going to finish it. We don't even make the effort, the time to see if I have enough resources. Because he says in verse 29, otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him. So that is actually a prophecy of those who will miss the rapture. That there will be mockery and blackmail and shame um, that's unfathomable that will happen after the rapture because for those who are pastors, who are bishops, archbishops, priests, overseers, whatever, sheep of Christ, Christians, for them to miss the rapture, it will be a day that will be irretrievable. It will be a day that will never be forgotten to be one of the most historic days, if not the most historic day in the kingdom of God and in heaven, in all the universe, because that is the day 
when we will see the fruit of the cross, what Jesus paid for, and he will see it with his own eyes in heaven. And yet on the earth, people's loved ones will be missing. They will be running around calling police stations saying, oh, so-and-so, their clothes and their watch and their shoes was left. What happened? I, um, I need to find them. Where could they be? We don't want to be the Christians that are going to explain to the world, oh, the rapture has happened. Because they will look at us and say, wow, you know, pastor, I was in the bar. I was in the nightclub. I was in the strip club. I know why I left. I'm left here. But why are you Why are you still here? You were in the church. You mean you didn't enter too? So in verse 29, it says, actually in verse 30, it says, saying this, they'll say that this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. That's the, the mockery five if you're so little for anyone who missed the rapture just the rejection to realize that you're abandoned from the Lord forever is something that should cause everyone to avoid uh, missing the rapture it should cause them to be committed because this scripture was given to crowds traveling you know just sightseeing so to say they weren't committed that how can the church in America how can we repent when we threw away the cross and the blood is the core and the foundation of the gospel. There is no power without the blood and the cross. There is no savior outside of Jesus. But when you throw the cross and the blood out of the gospel, out of the church, you're throwing out Jesus. And you read it in, in the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 5, and mainly verse 5, that having a form of godliness but denying its power of holiness. This is having nothing to do with those people. The definition of apostasy is changing the gospel. So it was great mercy for the Lord to share this with the people who were following, who were traveling him and not following him, not following his footsteps. Because you read that Luke 14, 25 was one of the most difficult statements in the Bible. That people are in church because it's politically correct. They look well in the eyes of the Lord. When people hear them, you know, say, like, praise the Lord, God bless you, I'm born again whatever words that make them seem godly it might be pleasing to the eyes of the world but the lord knows your heart and you're not following the lord and you're traveling with him and that's why the church in north america we need to repent because we've just been traveling even in the ministry of repentance and holiness so many miracles so many wonders the lord is not playing us a sweet song and and, and playing a very good instrument it, it is the coming of the messiah that's what it's all about, the coming of the Messiah. And we really do need to repent. So we need to sit down for once and evaluate this salvation. Jesus says that whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You have to ask yourself the question, do I bear my cross? Will I be able to bear my cross despite persecution? Because we can say we're born again and, and receive Jesus, but when when the thick of it comes where people are willing to kill you for the Lord Jesus, are you still willing to keep your faith and renounce your faith just to save your life? And that's why those who are the followers of Jesus, they cannot love their lives more uh, than the Lord Jesus himself because Jesus didn't love his life for us. The Lord is never asking uh, to, for any of things. He's not asking us to do anything he hasn't done. He's always asking what he has done because he's set the example he's the righteous king so people you know are too busy you know they're too busy to be able to sit down and evaluate their eternity too worried about the things of the world 
worried about cars, clothes, worrying about goods, what can I accumulate? Yet, nowhere have we ever seen in any funeral, any funeral when the caskets are buried under, underneath the earth. No one ever sees them buried under their clothes. No one ever sees them buried with their, their doctor uniform, their stethoscopes. No one's ever buried with their houses. No one's ever buried even with their will. No one's buried with their credit cards. They're not buried with their clothes. They're not buried with their cars. They're buried with the flesh that was rotting at the time, and now they're dead and they're inside the grave with bones. And death is just a door to eternity. So depending on how we live our lives now, determine our eternity. We will determine our eternity. So we can't be too busy for the Lord. That is apostasy. You know, we're too busy for the Lord. We make excuses for going to church on Sundays before the coronavirus lockdown. Obviously, there's no church now because the judgment's too heavy on the land. And we make excuses. Oh, I have to walk my dog today. Or, you know, jobs become idolatry. People want to be promoted, worrying about careers. And yet, the kingdom of God is home. This place, this earth is not our home. All this, this place has to offer sorrow and troubles. And that's why Jesus said that I've overcome the world. I didn't make friends with the world. There was nothing good about the life of Jesus other than his heart and his, his obedience to the God, the Father, and to the kingdom of God. So he says that this generation is too busy for the Lord. We saw that in the message, the powerful message by the mightiest, mightiest prophets. And that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, verses 1 to 6, Isaiah 63, 1 to 6. This is what he says. He says, Who is this coming from Edom in crimson stained garments from Bozrah? This one who is splendid in his apparel, rising up in his great might. It is I proclaiming vindication, powerful to save. That this verse one alone talks about the saving power of the Lord, despite the apostasy that the Lord, he introduces who he is, that besides from the Lord, there is no saving. That you read even in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, the Lord's proclaiming salvation, he's proclaiming vindication. In Genesis 22, verse 13 is also the definition of it, where you see Isaac, Isaac that was supposed to be sacrificed, instead it was the ram in the thicket that took our place substituted our death took the ransom and that's what the Lord Jesus did for us no one else is able to die for us no one else is able to die for another for their sins that's why the salvation of the Lord Jesus is so precious and costly how can we afford to abuse it in pornography and masturbation in homosexuality in pride in lies perversion sexual sin name it how can we trade salvation for these fleeting pleasures? Just like the smoke, just like our lives here today, gone tomorrow without a trace, not even knowing they exist. But you read, and even though he's, you see his crimson stained garments the, uh, signifying the Messiah, when he comes back, they will be trampling his enemies underfoot after the rapture, judging the earth. But he's not quick to judge. Even though he's the righteous judge, he's still giving time, precious people. During this time, 
he's still giving us the chance to repent despite all of the atrocities that are happening the the, 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 the murders the, the abominations the lord has still opened the door to repentance even in the middle of coronavirus that we may come to him because his mercies endure forever and they renew every day the lord doesn't desire that anybody perish none of his creation perish you remember paul before he was paul when he was saul he was murdering christians yet he worked he, he wrote two-thirds of the, of the bible the new testament it just shows the compassion of god that he's willing to forgive he's willing to relent if we repent but woe to those who don't take repentance because the door to repentance is soon closing as you can see with the coronavirus that only Jesus has the power to save but he's not going to save those who are not willing we have to be willing to repent and when he says mighty to save it is I mighty to save power to save powerful to save it talks about the compassionate Messiah that in his infinite power that he had when he came to the earth he had compassion on the blind and the cripple and the poor the widows the orphans to save us and he healed them and the Lord is still mighty to save. He's still doing it today. Evelyn Chang is walking right now. People are being healed even in the United States of America and North America. People are being healed from shot eight times all throughout their body, losing limbs, shot in intestines, losing teeth, ran over by a car four times, and they're still alive because of the blood of Jesus is still mighty to save sciatic nerve damage there is no central nervous system transplant available doctors have not been able to cure nerve damage yet the lord is still mighty to save that he's even healed blessed saints in maryland usa from sciatic nerve damage the lord is still mighty to save he's healing hepatitis b an autoimmune disease almost equivalent to hiv aids he's still mighty to save he's healed hepatitis b in colorado year 2021 by his mightiest mightiest prophets of the lord the most glorified ancient mega prophets of jehovah yahweh through the power of the blood of jesus and you can see he's still mighty to save to save us from our sins so who are we to look for other solutions astrazeneca johnson and johnson merck pharmaceuticals all these peoples and yet our sins we can't even save ourselves precious people we need to grab to the door of repentance before it closes because even on this day, the two mega prophets of the Lord have raised Eliud Mwangi, removed him from the death, removed him from the grave, the grave. That was someone that has an autoimmune disease of Guillain-Barre syndrome and had no life expectancy. Now he's getting up and walking by the power of the blood of Jesus. The Lord Jesus is still mighty to save us from our sins. That nobody can come to Jesus unless the spirit of Christ touches their heart and says, Jesus is Lord, go to him. Go to him, he's mighty to save. Go to him, he's still mighty to save even 2,000, 3,000 years ago. From the beginning of time, before time even existed, he's still mighty to save. That he's so mighty to save even in salvation, despite all the persecution, despite all of the blackmailing yourself as a Christian, just bearing the name of Jesus, that he's still mighty to save because you can only stand with Jesus when he gives you his power to stand with him. The mighty to save, it talks about the strength of the cross and the blood and what is needed for us to live. That 
even brought a new covenant when we fell in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and obeyed the serpent, Satan. Yet the Lord is still mighty to save because the devil thought he won, but he didn't because the Lord Jesus finished him on the cross eternally and his place is coming soon in the eternal lake of fire. And yet there's no reason for us to languish in sin. We should be tapping into the power of the blood of Jesus. The miracles are trumping. The Messiah is coming. The cripples are walking. The blind are seeing. The paralytic is, are, are walking. The deaf are hearing. And yet we're still in apostasy. There's no way we can be languishing. The Lord is definitely still mighty to save. And you saw that his salvation, before leading people to salvation, back in Luke 14, he asked them the cost to sit down evaluate are you able to carry your cross are you able to examine your ways all your ways are you, are you able to hate goods in a generation that loves material are you going to hate your life are you going to love the pride of this life the lust of the flesh the, the desires of, of the flesh rather than loving Jesus are you going to travel with Jesus or are you going to follow and commit wholeheartedly because when we give our lives to the Lord we receive the Lord both of our hands up was a sign of surrender that we're surrendering our entire life we're not living our lives for ourselves anymore and again it's the same thing the Lord Jesus did for us he lived his life for us he didn't go to the cross uh, and, and change his mind and get off he stayed there because he loved us so much that he wanted us to, to live in eternity with heaven with him amen but are we even able to follow and travel, follow Jesus when we love our family? These are all questions that we have to examine ourselves if we're really Christians, if we're really the Christians that we say we are. That all these things are the requirements of, of, of heaven, the requirements of being a disciple. That when you follow these things, and most importantly, picking up your cross on a daily basis, not fall into the apostasy, but the apostasy that we see is so rife on global Christian TV, global media, um, the, essentially it's naked and people are preachers and they're causing others to lust. It's an abomination. No, that's not how things are supposed to be. The Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, he brought holiness back to the church. He brought repentance. He brought the blood. There's no reason for anyone to be languishing in sin, especially at this time when the earth has been completely downgraded. There's nothing to write home about anymore. Everything is, stock markets have tumbled. There's a coin shortage in the U.S., the most powerful nation on planet Earth. And there's already signs of hyperinflation. What is there to hold on to in this rapture, beloved people? There is nothing. That if we don't adhere to these standards of salvation before receiving it, we'll definitely slide into apostasy. And that's why for any of you who've heard the message of the Lord, for the first time, maybe it's not your first time, but what you heard from the mightiest, mightiest prophet that caused you uh, to be convicted, caused you to want to repent. Just lift up your hands and repeat this prayer. Mighty Lord Jesus, on this day I come to you as a sinner. I repent for all my sins. I repent for all the sins I've committed.
well precious people you've said that prayer you made the best decision of your life there's no other greater decision than the one you've just made now find yourself a bible teaching church bible believing church which is in the ministry of repentance and holiness there's no other ministry the ministry of elijah the altars of elijah are all over north america on repentusa.net repentcanada.ca you'll find your local pastors local bishops and shepherds to lead you to the kingdom of god because they'll be preaching the only gospel of repentance the only gospel jesus preached of the blood and the cross turning away from sin turning away from apostasy embracing righteousness loving holiness loving righteousness until you enter the glorious kingdom of god it's been very good and humbling privilege today to come to you um, pastor tracer and this has been repentance america until next time enjoy. Thank you.